You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, your team every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network with your host, Jeff Lloyd. Pete Smith here, guys. We're well with under a month here as we're getting closer and closer to the uh, draft. Um, guys, we've been getting a ton of DMs over to the Locked On Browns account, specific prospects, things of that nature. Um, we're going to go again, and we're going to do a redo at, you know, as we get a little bit closer here, and we're going to go through every position draft-wise, our thoughts on it, our, you know, our each position Browns-wise, you know, guys that may fit a position that, you know, I don't even know if there would be a specific there. Um, guys, uh, you know, as I've been mentioning here the last couple of shows, um, you know, obviously everybody has their home for, you know, uh, where you're finding your podcast. If you're looking for a new home, may I suggest the Himalaya Podcast app. New, free, download it, subscribe to Locked On Browns. Just another avenue, uh, you know, something to check out. If you're looking for a change, you're not satisfied with where you are, that's not fine, it's understandable. I get it, and, you know, it's just the way the world works. But uh, check out the Himalaya Podcast app. If you're looking for something new, or just another place to go ahead and subscribe to Locked On Browns, I ain't gonna lie, that's always good for business, too. Um, Pete, I want to get into this one, and I don't know, you know, it, it, it dropped, about, I guess, about the time we were recording last night. Um, now, in the ever-expanding world of what can be reviewed and what can't be reviewed, we are now going to bring in, whether it was a pass interference call or whether it should have been a pass interference call, I know my stance on this. And guys, this will actually be interesting because Pete and I definitely seem like we are on two different sides of the rails on this one. Pete, I'll let you start. So, look, there's two there's two problems here. First, pass interference has absolutely no business being a spot foul. It's a it's a bullshit bailout for too many teams that can't muster an offense to basically throw up a punt and hope for a flag. That's the first thing that this addresses. That if they made this into a spot foul, I'd be less on board with this. But the idea that they can now review pass interference is important for for the fact that it just it, it's too important to get wrong and you're looking at this through the lens of obviously the NFC championship game where you know that wasn't why the Saints lost the game but it was the story that came yep. out from the Saints game and, and the NFL just, never wants to be in a situation one thing I'll just say or the excuse but go ahead finish your points but the NFL rightly doesn't want to be this, the, to have the story coming out of that game be officiating, and it was. So this is an attempt to do that. The issue, obviously, that everybody's going to bring up and has started to bring up is how much time it takes. And to me, this is a bullshit excuse for the, for the NFL because they have no business being this slow. And I look at college. College is so much faster and better at reviewing than the NFL is, and that's because part of their, their their officiating crew is a guy who's just always in the booth. So rather than always going to the booth when they're not sure about stuff, they have a guy who's looking at the play. Is this something we need to look at? It, you know, this, that, and the other, and he tells the guy in the field, nope, or you know, we need to look at this or whatever, and it makes things go much so, so much faster. But they need to be able to review this. The, it, the the phrase or terminology you're going to start to hear is something akin to 
scope of review. And the, the reason that's going to be important is because you're going to get into situations where they challenge something like pass interference. And through the course of looking at a pass interference penalty, people are going to notice something else in the play that deems a call or whatever, and they can't get into that rabbit hole. That's but ultimately, my point's going to come, but go ahead. But ultimately, as much as people don't want more officiating, you cannot honestly tell me that the game is better when people get shit wrong. Like, the, the, the goal here has to be getting the calls right. Even if it takes a little bit longer, you still have to get the calls right. I, I do think that that's a weak excuse for the NFL, and they have to get more efficient at the whole review process. But you, you can't tell me it's some charming you know, quirk of football that getting the play wrong is completely great for the game and that you know that somehow makes it better that the Saints got jobbed on that particular call or other plays that have been too important. And, and God knows from this perspective of being a Browns fan – I mean, how many times has this come up? And beyond that, you know, the other part that's got to come up, and, and, and I, I saw Terry McCauley talk about this, despite only being educated at LSU, he managed to put this together, um, that that uh, they have to be able to review player safety calls. That's the one I'm surprised has not come up. I thought that would have been an easy uh, one to pass, and that immediately comes to mind is in the playoff game, it was the cheap call where uh, Tom Brady didn't get hit in the head and they called it a personal foul. But again, looking at this through the Browns lens, it's that Emmanuel Ogba hit Cam Newton in both shoulder pads and get called for hitting him in the head. But these plays have to be called correctly because you get too many situations where games – in, you know, even if you're you're not blaming it entirely on this, more than enough people are sitting there going, the Browns lost to the Oakland Raiders based on officiating. Or you have that situation in Carolina, or you have situations in other games. But you know, let's not let's avoid getting the situation where the Browns are potentially in that in that avenue where they get screwed by bad officiating in a playoff game as opposed to just a regular season game. All right. And here's where I'm going to go. First things first for me, though, is the players themselves and the game itself, it's at times imperfectly perfect. We love the game, and we love it because things happen, such as drops, untimely fumbles, uh, guys missing tackles, um, a wide receiver wide open for what would be a 90-yard touchdown but tries to catch the ball with his face mask. Um, So to expect... the the officiating to be perfect every time when the play isn't perfect every time it's it becomes a tough time and now we're my next parallel to this is though with what with more things that can be reviewed it leads to what more reviews and it's more time of oh i think that's going to be reviewed and now the booth we're going to kick it to our guy in the booth who's going to talk about whether or not it's the right call or not then we're going to spend another 30 to 45 seconds because this thing is not... T- this is the one thing, and I will give you this, Pete. The college game, which traditionally runs longer, they are in and out of that booth a lot faster. And I do agree with you there. So if it was, uh, okay, 30 seconds, if we don't know what it is, hell with it, the call stands. I, I, this clock doesn't seem to run like this in the NFL. All right, well, let's see if we can get it right. Well, I don't know, Jim. Bill, what do you think? Steve? 
I don't know. Guys, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, let's say he caught it. Let's go with that. And it becomes so much more about officiating and calls and less about the actual 60 minutes of gameplay that drives me crazy. Like, I can I can accept bad calls. And even, I remember, Pete, when we talked about this, you know, after the Rams-Saints game. The Saints, that was not the excuse. I mean, you, you should have won the game. Plain and simple. You should have won the game. You didn't execute. You, you did enough to keep the Rams around and end up losing the game. Those things happen. And I just think that if you're now going to add a defensive pass interference or one of these things, which is one play out of, what, Pete, is probably, what, 100 to 120 per ball game. I, I, I don't know if you lose or die on one play that it's going to be an official's call that make, made or break the, made, you know, make or broke the play. It does um, if it's fifty yards. That's the problem. That, and that's well, well I, I do agree with you there. I do. The I spot agree with you. thing is just such. That's part of the problem. Is it just makes it such an overpowering, game changing penalty that you know to. And I hate this. I hate no, this. I do agree th- th- this is a tactic used by teams that basically throw it up and hope for the best because God only knows. You know, even if they're wrong, you've got a chance to get that flag and 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 get it. But. Look, I, I think the the answer here is twofold. One, you can review this, but you have to get faster at the replay process. And they have not embraced the idea of having a full-time official in there like college has. And, and again, you know. And even I, still, though, if these guys all get one week off, why can't you one week off be sitting in the booth? I mean, you're going to get paid anyway. I mean, whatever. Right. Oh, I agree. But it's you know, but, but you know, for the for the, those of us who actually watch the AAF, and there have been less and less replays as this has gone on. But they have that, you know, cheap shot. Well, <laughs> they have uh, they have a guy in the review booth, and they have this full access thing where you can hear it. I don't care about the hearing it, but again, they just have another thing where the guy's in there, and it's a pretty <coughs> quick conversation in and out. And, 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 and like the NFL is making this into a way too complicated where they're talking about having like, you know, a central, you know, they, they already have one, like a central thing in New York and they, they might add another one. Just put a guy in the booth. You have plenty of money to get a guy up there for every crew to have another guy in the booth to make sure it's quick. You get in, you get out. So I, I think that would mitigate a lot of the concerns people have, which I don't, I don't think you're wrong at all that you don't want to end up you know being where it feels like 20 minutes of the game is just dealing with reviews and and all that stuff but i i I really feel like if they if they embrace having an official or even two officials up in the in the booth at full time but see the problem is you can't have two you either have to have one or you have to have three because if you have two and they split then you got to go three but just the idea that you have a quick thing where officials a aren't sitting there waiting, you know, waiting to not make calls because they feel like the review will fix it. Where they can quickly talk, just go right now. Like something happened, he's part of the crew. You can talk it over, and you might see something that you know that might uh, warrant a call. But either way, you're getting in and out much faster. And I think if they do that part, it won't feel as sort of cumbersome to have one more thing to be reviewed. See, for me, like, in, in I, I got one more point here, but I also go to you know, the other sports. You know, baseball, fair or foul. You know, safe or not. I understand that, similar to whether it was a catch or whether it's not, whether it's knee down. 
basketball. Was his foot on the line? Was it a two? Was it a three? Now you're going to start, you know, you're getting deeper into the actual play of the game, which I'm just not a fan of. The other thing, though, is now football-wise, are we going to start talking about uncatchable balls again? Because I don't care if a receiver got interfered with on a ball he wasn't going to catch. So if the flag, I mean, and this is where you rush to put something in because it became such a hot topic. But, you know, uncatchable, that seems something that is not a huge factor anymore. And you want to know what? It should be. Because if there was no way it was going to be a completion, who the hell cares what happened? I mean, as long as it wasn't a personal foul, nobody cares what happened. But here is my biggest issue, my biggest concern. Um, We saw last year an official get fired over calls in a Browns game. So now we're gonna are we gonna now next year say well I lost because you missed an offsides call, and the New England Patriots are gonna say you want to know what there was a bunch of holding calls that we were held on there was a bunch of holding calls we didn't commit can these be reviewed now and once you start adding more of these penalties that can be reviewed what's gonna be the next step Pete well two reviews per half isn't enough it's I think it's opening a Pandora's box where. And the one thing I keep saying is, and how I'm phrasing it is, there will be no more 4 o'clock games. It will now be 1 Eastern and 5 Eastern because you're going to have to play for the fact that some of these games might run 4 out. I just think it, you just, you're just leaving so much more up to so much more BS than the actual gameplay. And that's my issue with it. I mean, bad calls have always existed. And just as much as player error and player mistakes have existed... I just think it's the way the sport and the game and everything, I mean, in anything, though, I mean, you play poker or you play cards and you take a gamble and oh, it didn't work out. I mean, I just, you're just leaving too much up to computers and everything else as opposed to what the actual freaking play on the field is. Well, that we're, you're getting closer to the Bill mm-hmm. Belichick idea, which is you get three universal challenges. You can challenge anything, but you get three. Um is that a game uh, or half? No, per, for, for the game. You okay, that's three, fine. I mean, if that's that's, your that's game, been his that's been his thing for the past couple of years. See, you oh my god, I, I'm thinking anything. I'm thinking like Bill Belichick. I might have to reevaluate this entire position, Pete. But in any case, there you have to institute a limit. But the the issue, what his issue is, you 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 have you know the idea that you can clearly see something is wrong. You have challenges. But there are things that are you know, considered unchallengeable. Um, I, I, I just, I, I'm closer on that than anything, but ultimately I, I just think they have to embrace, like people say the NFL embraces replay, but they really don't. They embrace replay to a point. I think they have to buy in more fully with actual full-time officials. I mean, the closest thing they have right now is what the networks are doing where they hire these people who are there to second guess and they can do it quicker than most anybody with the exception of that one jamoke who <laughs> couldn't tell you anything ever uh who got I was I would stick with the play I would stick with the call on the field it's, it's his response on every single one well so yeah I, I I I think the answer really comes down to really embracing getting a guy in the booth and then just making the whole process faster. And I don't know how they're not doing this. And like if, whether it's embracing the AAF more or XFL or whatever, and having full-time officials where you can now send those officials to those games, 
you know, that that becomes another way to deal with this. But that's its own separate discussion is the whole officials who are also lawyers, doctors, etc. And, you know, and for me, and like, you know, and just to close this here now, because, well, we went a lot longer on this. So I thought we were going to. But it just maybe you should have looked at the rule a little bit more. And, this, and, and here's the other thing. Am I going to throw my flag if I've only got two per half if pass interference is 15 to 20 yards? You know what? I'm going to hold this out because if I'm going to lose a freaking touchdown, I don't want to waste a challenge over it. 15, 20 yards, I'll bite the bullet on that. It seems they put it such a rush to go this route, and, and this is maybe we are in agreement, revise the rule or, or look at the rule a little bit better. That would have been a, a, a more smarter thing to do than just say, you want to know what? Yep, you can now review this too because it's only going to be a matter of time before people are going to start pushing for other penalties to be put in here. And, and my biggest fear is that we're going to spend all day long with the official in the booth and talking about all this and less and less and less about actual gameplay. But uh, you, you did bring up one good example, which is, you know, all those missed offsides and false start things. You well, have a guy in the booth. He should be able to catch that right now and be able to go throw a flag. There's a false start or throw a flag. There's a guy clearly offsides. And it should be like that. Just go. Which would be fine if that's right. If it, it, and, and that's more about getting it right than about spending four minutes about was it wrong, was it right. Because you spend so much time. And they don't even sound contrived in believing. in. it's like, well, after a long jury trial, this guy was the better lawyer. So we've decided now that this is the correct call. Eh, I don't know. Uh, remember, guys, uh, to get this show every day, um, on Himalaya, subscribe to Locked On Browns. Um, in an everyday, uh, evolving podcast community, Himalaya with their personally curated lists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On Browns. Check it out, guys. Like I said, if you're looking for something different, you know Himalaya definitely a new avenue you can go to with your you know podcast needs if you are looking to go that route. Pete. University of Florida Pro Day today, and uh, I think of the Paul Simon song, Slip Sliding Away, and I mean, the only thing we're kind of missing here with Ja'Kai Polite, and whether or not we're pronouncing his name right or wrong at this point, you want to know what, dude? If he had done a lot more, we would have put, put a lot more effort into it. Um, the Twitter at of, at Retire Moms, hell, Moms might need a second job because he's going to be living there. For quite a while, this is just a terrible, terrible way to handle a draft cycle because it's one thing to test bad. It's one thing that, you know, maybe you're injured. Now, I'm not going to question that. But then the interviews are piss poor and just this is about a bad draft cycle. I mean, the only thing that's missing is the coup de gras right here. And I won't even wish it on him, but I will be looking to see if that name comes out in about two to three weeks. Yeah. Um, he, uh, but he would be. I'll be. I'll be honest though. Round six. All right. You, you know his tape's not bad. His he, he's having the the kid uh, more out of Texas A and M several years ago. Who who people thought was uh, really really good on tape. Dontre Moore. Yeah yeah. He it, it's it, to me his his draft cycle is identical to his. Um, he was a guy who who was really impressive at Texas M on tape. And we got to workouts, and he was just awful. And it just seemed like it went bad to worse. I think the Giants still took him in the third round. And I remember you know, him starting a brawl 
with the Rams when they were still in St. Louis, and this was Odell, I think it was Odell's rookie year, and Odell was, and you know Odell had to play, and it led to the sidelines, and he just like was an absolute a hole. Yeah. Uh, yes. So that dude, that dude, you know, flamed out. Third round pick, didn't do anything. He's in the AAF right now, I, I believe. Um, it's not to say that the polite can't fix it because the other guy that comes to mind for me is Vontez Perfect, who very, I very, loved. very similar. I loved Vontez Perfect on tape. I loved everything about him. I loved the way he played. Uh, you know, I thought a lot of the stuff that was thrown at him was was nonsense because, like, he had no off field issues at Arizona State. Like, he'd never been arrested. There's something about a fight, but it was like the, his teammates liked him and all this other stuff. But he bombed everything. He tested like shit. He had a uh, he he tested positive at the combine for marijuana. Uh, he just everything everything was bad. He he went from a guy who I you know. At, at the time of the draft, or you know that season, I thought he had was a guy who could be a first round pick. He ultimately was so bad he goes undrafted. The Bengals grab him for free. He played great. Uh, you the player, can, yes. Yeah, you can talk about all the stuff he's done in the suspensions and the the amount of dumb shit he's done. And he's you know brought a lot of this on himself. Though I do still believe if he was on the Steelers or one of these other, you know, Ravens or one of those other consistent renegade operations. He's a really tough player. Right. That it would just, a lot of that would be overlooked. Uh, but nevertheless, he more than, you know, he played like a first round pick in the first several years of his career. He was legitimately a great, great player. Uh, you know, it's fallen off lately where it's not, you're not even sure if he really cares anymore. At least the reports coming out of Cincinnati, but far paths for Jakai to be successful, and I'm not unwilling to listen to the idea that he put on something like 20 pounds, you know, trying to bulk up. That that's part of the reason he's having these hamstring issues. Though if you look at the photo, he doesn't look that great. Um, I, I still stand by it, Pete. He looked pregnant. I mean, first things first, put a t-shirt on. I mean, he didn't need to be there in that orange slimming. I mean, the dude looked. The dude. I mean. Guys, I'm married. I've seen my wife pregnant twice. I mean, tiny. I mean, the dude looked three months pregnant. Those were abs, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> but uh, I'm willing to listen to that. But the problem is, you can't also be a touchy whiny bitch about people criticizing your film. You can't also not work, you know, at your craft, not be willing to look at yourself on tape, not being willing to have teams poke and prod to try to make you better. Like you, you can, you can take those things and be like. We love his tape. We're we're willing to even you're not certainly not in the first round. You may, may not take him till day three, but at least you could say his tape is good. We we have things we believe on, but when you also do these other things, where and it wasn't like even in just a teenager. He was like at the con, he was getting upset. People asking him questions uh, about his draft <laughs> process. Like that is that is the bigger issue to me than than the the physical stuff and and certainly the way you know I look at it. You know, it, it, he's been off the board for a while, but it's just if if you're going to say that, that, that this happens and it has happened where a guy has tried to put up too much weight and it, it hasn't gone right. and You've had some issues with it. Yeah, that that part is at least plausible. But the other stuff just makes it that you don't even want to listen to that because it's just not worth the hassle. Yeah, I mean, but if you look at the Browns and look, it, it, you know, and right now as it stands, it stands three fifth round picks, and you're not sure who's going to make your squad and who's not going to make your squad, but he can get after the quarterback, and if you're taking him mid day three, 
where it's, hey, maybe it's 15, 20 reps, and, you know, maybe he shows up at camp, and, you know, somebody was smart enough to cut off the kid's tongue, and he's just got to realize that it's just about football, shut the hell up and do it. You know, there will, you know, there's going to be, I mean, I don't want him to check that last box. So, you know, obviously, you know, we'll find out, you know, who was clean at the combine and who wasn't. And look, Pete and I, that's one. If there's a drug test you've been waiting three years for. Scheduled drug test, man. Come you, on. You know it. Out. You better be ready, dude. You, you know, you better be ready. And look, I mean, there is caveats to it. Antonio Callaway. And that was kind of the final straw for me and Pete. Pete actually Googled it. I think that came out April 24th. And we were like, all right, guys, come on. We can't make excuses anymore. We'll bite our tongue there. We will absolutely, you know, for, to this point, well, obviously, you know, other stupid summer incident, which obviously you know, did pen out. Antonio Callaway has done everything to right the ship of his life. It appears to this point, which yeah, is what you want. Shit, you're on a great track. Don't, don't fuck it up. <laughs> exactly. Stay on this highway. Do not go back to that highway. But you know, this is where you have a guy like Polite. You know, it's it's you know there were there was something there, and you know it was some tape, and you know, and now I mean, and the other thing though is is can you handle the fact that, and I can't believe we're even going to say this, Pete. There were times where people were debating Brian Burns and Polite at the same time. Well, I don't know. Maybe he's better. Maybe he's better. Well, you know, one has done. You look at two guys that at, at a point people were debating, and one has done nothing but shot himself through the roof. And the other one has done nothing but shot himself in the foot in every step of the way. It's just not the way you want to go about this. Yeah, first things first, you want to you want to know who's representing the kid because make sure that if you're any guy who's going to go through the draft process, don't go that route. Don't. I mean, just don't go that route. Or is the kid such a loose cannon that he had good representation that he didn't listen to it, which scares you even more because, you know, here's people like, look, you know, Fifteen twenty million dollars at stake, and you don't listen, and you should, should go your own route. But you know, you just hate to see this happen with guys who have good tape, and this is a lot of it. And we, guys, Pete and I, we talk about this all the time. There are so many front office personnel that are old school, and it's they view you like, well, whether or not you are good enough to date my daughter, and guys like that, just every step of the way, just do everything to prove to you that they're not. Um, Pete, uh, I know our guy who's you know starting to garner some names and. You know, uh, I'm mean, not names, but you know, a lot more popular. Uh, you know, 49. Who knows? There will be guys. There, if they do not sign a safety, there will be a safety who can fit at 49. So just relax, breathe on that. But Chauncey Gardner Johnson worked out today uh, a little bit better with the workout numbers. Maybe a little bit you know, more motivated after now. He's uh, you know he's got a little baby as well. Who knows? But you know, he's a guy definitely guys right in there in that 49 range. But also could be there if he doesn't go round one where. John Dorsey huddles with the front office guys and says, where do we got to be to get this guy, our guy, if he is well, him at 37, the, 38? The first day of the draft is just going to be literally hoping that that the, that the this handful of guys... Seven quarterbacks, please! <laughs> it's basically going to be sitting there first, waiting for where Ed Oliver is going to just freaking stab me like and either he like because of the talk is that he was never gonna see 17 well but here's the thing like we're talking about how the cardinals are gonna take kyler murray and then you know where does queen and williams fall as a result and now where's that oliver fall that you have this this you know this contraption working itself out to slowly screw us but no literally the first day (laughs) i love it You're, you're not gonna let that dream die (laughs) the first day of the draft is literally gonna be taking guys like 
it, it, having a list of guys, Justin Lane, Juan Thornhill, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, you know, guys like that and sitting there hoping that they don't go in the first round and just waiting and waiting and waiting in addition to hoping that the v- various division ri- rivals screw it up. Well, um, saying crap 32 times. Crap, crap, right. so, crap. Like, <laughs> you know, that's the entire first day of the draft. And 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 I think Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is, is likely to be the first safety, maybe the only safety taken in the first round. I think Nasir Adderley still got a shot. Um, John Gruden, baby. Yeah, slap that Raider yeah. sticker on you, kid. Three, three of them, man. I, if that doesn't say we're taking you in the first round, I don't know what does. But um, yeah, you, you, if 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 Chauncey Gardner Johnson gets out of the first round, I, to me, I could be absolutely loud wrong on this. I think he's the guy the Browns want. I, I really think uh, people forget that when Steve Wilkes got here, he was really excited about Jabril Peppers. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like what. It's it like wasn't you, like idle. No. Like, so it wasn't as if, like, he came in and, they, they, oh, we're getting rid of this guy. Like, the, you know, it, it was ultimately where it ended up. But I do think that that's Like, the you guy. signed him and promised him a BMW, and then he showed up to get his company car, and a dude got a Toyota Camry. Yeah, so, like, I, I, I do think if he somehow gets out of the first round, it would not surprise me in the least if the Browns try to go up and get him. Um, certainly Justin Lane would make sense in that same, in that same vibe. But yeah, I, I just, there's a couple things. First, Chauncey Gardner Johnson to me is the most Jabril Peppers type safety in the, in the draft. If they really do want that type of skill set, um, I think Chauncey Gardner Johnson is, is far more developed as a coverage player. Um, uh, both guys, have played played what you know, I, you know. Different teams use different terminology, but any defense I've had, you basically call that guy an X, um, which is basically a safety linebacker hybrid, which is playing a lot in the slot. Um, the old monster back, right? That that you know that, and that's what Jabril Peppers was playing. Maybe a truer linebacker, but really still that when he was in Michigan. But that's definitely what Chauncey Gardner Johnson plays, and he has more experience playing pure coverage than Jabril Peppers did. Um, but at the same time, he, he shows you those characteristics where he is physical. He is a nasty 210-pound dude um, that comes up and, and hits – he lights people up. Um, so if you're looking at it from the standpoint of they, they really like Jabril Peppers, but it was the move they had to make to get Odell Beckham, and they want you know you know a reasonable facsimile of a guy who I, who I believe has a ton of upside – in Chauncey Gardner Johnson, his football—he has all the production and the, you want, but I, his f- best football may still be ahead of him. Um, then, then I could definitely see where where that happens. And and you know, he jumped uh, better today, which is again one of those things that's really difficult to to uh, you know fake. He jumped broad jump six inches better, and the vertical jump is another inch better. But, yeah, he just got everything you want at that position. The only thing you can really knock him on is height. Um, so, Which was the same for Jabril. I mean, he was sub six feet. Right. Chauncey Gardner Johnson is a hair shorter than Jabril Peppers, but, yeah, it's the same deal. But I, I do think he can also give you a little bit of that too high look. Um, and, and, again, he will have to develop in some of those areas, and you're going to have to – sort of accept that if, if they do get him, he's not going to walk in and be great. But I do think the flashes would be impressive. And certainly there's enough guys on this defense that can sort of make it, 
you know, not as not a big of a deal where it's not like the fish out of water thing where Jabril Peppers was the only option they had at free safety when the dust settled and you were basically putting this guy out there and saying, do your best. And he actually got a lot better. But yeah, I mean, to me, he, to right now, I, I, things could change. But right now, he seems like the dream scenario. Seems like a good fit. Look, there. And the other thing, guys, is we don't know, and obviously they are not going to tell us. Do you want more of a coverage guy? Are you going to rock with Derek Kindred? We don't know these things. Uh, iTunes rating reviews, guys, always help the show. Uh, draw in new listeners. Obviously, everything Browns wise, whether it's the apparel people, the writers, the podcasters, more and more people are flocking here. Uh, go ahead, drop a five star written review here. I do greatly appreciate that. Uh, I guess we'll hit this one, Pete. Um, Mississippi State Pro Day. Um, you know, Sweat did some things. Obviously, the Jeffrey Simmons thing isn't going away, uh, which we know. Uh, for me, at this point now, look, the incident, you know, you almost accept the fact that John's going to accept these things. For me, it's, you know, if you were to take a guy at 49 and there's a, I would say, what, 90% to more than 90% possibility that he's not going to play in 2019, I don't want that guy. Um you still need, I mean, as great as everybody feels about the roster right now, you still need some more pieces and you still need some depth. I I don't want to spend 49 on a guy that maybe could be available in December in the playoffs. I don't want to go that route. And a guy who won't be himself exactly. until exactly. at best, at best, partway through next year. It just, it generally takes a year after the recovery to get back to full strength. And and we've talked about this. Look, like the example being thrown out that Sidney Jones, Sidney Jones is not doing shit for the Eagles. Like I don't want Sidney Jones. They're the, the guys they that could have had. Though, there, I love Sidney Jones. Like he I was great. Him. It's just unfortunate that it happened, but he just hasn't, you know, it has, it hasn't been there. Like he was a very nice prospect. He was not going to be one that I wanted, but you know, I liked, I liked him uh, as a player. Uh, but, you're saying is that going to be good in two years? And maybe, you know, uh, this kid can be, but at least initially, you're going to get all of the flack from me and others uh, for all the baggage he has, and then not get any of the payoff for potentially two years. Um, that's really tough pill to swallow, especially because the Browns do have things they need, and they, you know, presumably want to compete right now. So. 49 for a guy that's not going to help you right now is is a big pill to swallow, even if you think he's going to be great. Uh, and, and certainly at the same the same token, you know, they, they get a player at 49 who they love and he suffers an injury. He could be out. I, I, I mean, I get it. But it's just the, 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 the betting on injured guys track record is not great. Um, you know, you, you can hope you're going to get Sean Rogers out of it. But it doesn't always work out that way, and and too often you end up with uh, just just some awful players. I mean, Tank Tank Carradine was a guy who was unbelievable at Florida State. Uh, came out in like 2012, uh, tore up his knee, and he never did anything. And like if you go back and watch him play and the production he had at the size he brought, it was him and uh, uh, the German kid uh, Bjorn Warner. And, you know, Bjorn Warner went ultimately in the first round and Tank Carradine was blew him away and ultimately tore his ACL in the bowl game, I believe. Uh, 
had the surgery. I, I don't think the surgery went particularly well. Was one no, because ma- I mean he never really got to play again. Obviously, you know, somehow, some way, he got to a hatchet job doctor. Yeah, uh, the 49ers and Trent Baalke, that was one of the many, many injury bets they made, none of which paid off. Uh, and and ultimately, it. and it just didn't work. And that's, you know, that's the fear you have. And you can tell me that medical technology has advanced in six years to the point where it's not going to be, you know, a problem. But that's when it comes to knees on guys who are 300 pounds, it's always more tricky than it is for a guy who's 180, 200 pounds. There, that is, I mean, you look at a guy like Deshaun Watson where both knees, I mean, granted, Houston's doing no favors and they're not giving him an offensive line, but he's still able to kind of do his thing and, you know, and he doesn't have his blinders to pass rush, which is terrible for a kid who's a really good quarterback, but that's something that goes on. And there's, and the thing is, you never get, and there's no way these are graded. And I do know this, you know, from talking with some, some people, you know, everybody just says torn ACL and everybody views it all the same. But, you know, you have no idea how many, how much this kid has played sports up until the point where he tore his ACL. His knee could have been already maybe slightly arthritic or a little beat up or, you know, not 110% with the injury. I mean, there's just so many more factors than just to say torn ACL and try to grade it all and put it all in the same. It's kind of like saying somebody has cancer, whether they're 23 or 70 and all the other factors and other other, you know, circumstances and conditions go around it so much goes into it and, and that's what makes it such a big gamble on these you know quote unquote red shirt guys and look if the aspirations are to win the AFC North if the aspirations are to do damage in the playoffs I'd rather spend 49 and even if I lose on the guy but I want the I, I want the guy that I know I you know it should be there for 16 games that's it's just the way I view it, and look, you know, I, I get it with this, you know, his situation is a little bit different than others. I will still stand, Pete will still stand, Brent Sobolewski, don't put your hands on a woman, I don't care what the situation is. He could have just stepped up and walked in there at six foot three and 310 pounds and put himself between everybody and ended the situation that way. Standing over this poor girl, wailing on her. I don't know what you, you know, there, I know the story, standing up for the family and some... But, yes, no, I, I, but it's I, just ugh. just show up, be just show up and be 310 and tell everybody get the fuck out of here. This is over, right? It's it's tough. It's tough. It, 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 like it, it, and there's nobody. Like, I mean, and I will say this: if somebody's beating, I have a younger sister. Somebody's beating on her. I, look, I've not been in this situation, but I do think I'm better enough to not hand it physically. Would I drag my little sister over my shoulder and get her the fuck out of Dodge? Yeah. That's another way to go. I mean, I don't want to get into this because so many people take this the wrong way. Just don't put your hands on women. And here's the worst part. And me and Pete have talked about this numerous times. Jeffrey Tittman's tape is fantastic. The player he is is really, really good. And this is one where I guess we're happy, Pete. We're not in the front office and we got to make this call. The thing is, though, it wouldn't be as bad if you didn't just sign Kareem Hunt. If you didn't just bring in a bunch of players last year undrafted that had these type of issues, as well as Callaway and his uh, alleged Maggots. issue. You know, it's the problem is the pattern more than the I was player. too high to rape somebody. I mean, that's that's terrifying 
like you're really happy with what Antonio Callaway has done with a rookie, but if you go back and you sort of catch up with that, you're that it's not pleasant to look at. Or it's the same thing like when people wanted to uh, the Browns to go after Frank Clark, and I know a lot of this is because people just didn't know. But you go read the details of that; it's gruesome and like it's the type appetite taking away type details where you're just like, oh my god. Um, I, it's it, that's the problem is it's just Dorsey keeps going to this well that it makes it very difficult for you to ever you know take it seriously that it's anything more than you know just about W's especially when you can't do do the decent thing like call players who did everything you know for his team when he had them and, and couldn't tell them they were going to get traded that type of thing so it's tough like I, I it's, it's easy for me I'm not taking him but look I I, I get the issue, I mean, the pressure to win and all that stuff, but you know, at the same time, like you, at some point, how you win has to matter, as opposed to just win by any means necessary. Yeah, and you know, and guys, and you know, I'm not going to say the name. You've been on the show. Um, it was a prominent part, but him and his wife learning about the fact that he's been moved on from the Cleveland Browns through Twitter. I mean, it's it's where. What are you most loyal to? The next guy, the guy who's currently in, you know, I mean, in, you know, we've gone down this rabbit hole again, whatever. But you don't, and when you're only picking out a couple of pieces at this point now, where the Browns are, why don't you pick out, because you can find the guys that have done X, Y, and Z and not done that. I mean, that's there in spades. It is. It, it, you can still find, you know, guys who are going to fit in. Oh, well, well, he's similar, but wow, okay. Well, this is good, and everything checks out. It, it's it, it's just a better route to go. Um, guys, I, I got flooded with listener questions, and I think this PI ran a little longer. But look, um, the pro days have not been as kind to us as we were hoping to with numbers. Um, we'll we'll probably throw up a mailbag here as we you know go on later in the week. Um, we're going to close with this one because it's been out there for a couple of days. Uh, we did AFC playoff teams. Pete, I guess it's time to, you know, and guys, if you all, I mean, a lot of you want to talk. I mean, there's so many of those Super Bowl, Super Browns accounts. <clears throat> you know who I'm talking about. Um, for those, Pete, NFC playoff teams. Who are we at? Uh, so the, the first one I've got is the Rams. And just to piggyback off the talk of injured players, um, I, I have, you know, I'm confident the Rams are going to make it, but don't get you. If you're a Rams fan, don't tell me you're not at least a little bit nervous about Todd Gurley's arthritic knee. Um, so anyway, yeah, he's fine. Ra- he's fine. He's fine. He's fine. So yeah, that's, that's a little <laughs> concerning, but anyway, the, the Rams out of the NFC West, the, uh, the Eagles out of the NFC East, cause God knows no one else is competing for that. Um, I, I, I've said it before. I continue to say it. I, I think the Cowboys have gotten worse. Um, the Saints out of the NFC South, I, I don't see a com- contender out of there. The, the Falcons are soft and have not done anything to address their overwhelming softness. Um, the, 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 the toughest one out of this is the NFC North, and I'm going to take the Bears on talent uh, to win that division, and then I've got the Packers making it out of the uh, as a wild card team. Uh, I, I, I don't you know, I, I, they've gotten a lot better in free agency. I, I just also don't think you're going to keep Aaron Rodgers down uh, out another year. And then it, the last one 
uh, came down to whether or not I believe in the Vikings or the Seahawks. Yep, I'm I'm taking the Seahawks. Uh, I'll, I'll take Russell. Russell. I'll take Russell Wilson. Yeah, it's Russell I'll Wilson. Take Wilson over Kirk Cousins. And not only that, but the Vikings have gotten worse. I mean, they're not better. Um, and, and one of the reasons they're not better is a big addition to the Browns' defensive line in Sheldon Richardson. They are, don't get better by losing Sheldon Richardson. Now, hopefully, everything with Everson Griffin is you know sorted out um, in his situation. But they they have to. There's a lot of pressure riding on Minnesota, and and I think a lot of jobs are in jeopardy if they don't win this year. So you know they. they it's not going to be easy in the NFC North. I think there's a far better path for the Seahawks, who I do think will be better this year. Uh, I don't think I differ much here at all. Um, if you go to the NFC East, um, Washington, you have no idea what in the hell's going on there. Uh, the Giants, um, they <laughs> may be looking to take even more of a step back before they take a step forward. Uh, you know, oh, maybe we'll get a quarterback. Yeah, look, Josh Rosen. Even if he were to go to the New York Giants, they're still going to play Eli, Eli Manning 16 games. So that makes no difference whatsoever. Dallas, um, you know, your, what was good, your pass rush and some of that stuff and your defense, um, now you're putting everything on to two linebackers and Amari Cooper. And, you know, Pete, I, I, I'm not the biggest Dak Prescott guy going, so for him to replicate what he did last year, with maybe less at his disposal, um, don't tell me Jason Witten's back like that's anything because it to me it's not nfc south uh new orleans uh i don't see anything stopping that train i agree with atlanta uh well and pete to, to break pete's heart ed oliver finds his way to atlanta i might open my eyes a little bit more to them tampa you know i don't know what they told bruce arians but i don't see a franchise that's going to be any better than they were last season when they drafted fifth uh james winston in basically a limbo year in year five I don't know about that. Uh, I'm not sure about Cam Newton and his health. You go to the West, uh, you know, obviously, Rams. Why not? Yep. And if, as much as we hate it, if that pass interference call, if they had got it, maybe they eke out the Super Bowl. Who knows? It could have possibly happened. Uh, San Francisco, as long as Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, I think they are a team that could compete for a wild card spot. Maybe more of a team that's maybe one year away now, where you know Pettis and Garoppolo. Because you got to remember, you know, guys like Dante Pettis and Kill. They did a lot of it, but without Garoppolo. So now you need to see how that's all going to mesh together. Could they compete for a wild card? And yeah, I think they could. Seattle, no doubt about it. They just—it's kind of like plug and play right now. Um, Doug Baldwin's going to be a question. I would not be surprised. Seattle's a team that's very heavy on a wide receiver. I wouldn't be stunned if Seattle was a team that found a way to move up and get DK Metcalf. That's something I would definitely look for, you know, from that group. Then you get to the, the North, and uh, Detroit, I just don't think Detroit's got enough ammunition. There's no way about it. Uh, Minnesota, Green Bay, look, Aaron Rodgers, still Aaron Rodgers. Um, two first-round picks. They spent a boatload of money. It's going, it should be a postseason run for them. Minnesota, Kirk Cousins, I mean, you give him all that money, give it to him guaranteed. And you went to the NFC Championship game the year before with lesser guys and kind of the same skill. The Bears, it's it's all on Trubisky. And I think the Bears are interesting, Pete, in the fact that they could easily go 10-6 and six or go 6-10. and 10. It all comes down to Mitchell Trubisky. 
yeah, if he uh, if he takes a big step forward, they become a real contender. If if they are, and even ten and know, six may be selling him short, but I mean, if he does not go to that next level, it, it's all on him now. Everything else is in place. Yeah, and they're still going to be, you know, a very, very potent defense, and they just need enough offense. But at the same time, like, there were too many games where he was quite literally the only thing between winning and losing, and, and he was too often the reason they, they they weren't able to win. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's going to be – that's where it's at with the NFC, and it's it's – you feel so much more confident talking about the AFC because – I just think it's just a better product right now, and you know, I, and having the greatest of defenses—that's fantastic. But at the end of the day, even the greatest of defenses in the NFL, where we're at now, they're giving up 23, 24 points a game. You got to be able to score. I mean, and, you know, if you want to win and you want to be a division champion, you want to play in the playoffs. It's it's thirty plus week in week out. Yep, I mean that's. That becomes a really tough, tough thing to keep up, and and, and you are potentially in a situation where you're trying to outscore uh, some some big time offenses with with Aaron Rodgers and company coming into town, and and that that's that's going to be difficult. So I'm curious to see how how they how they can adjust. Yeah, there's yeah. So I mean, there's the NFC guys. Uh, the listener questions, guys. I've got them all hooked. I've got them all saved. We'll get to that. We're going to do, you know, I mean, there was enough where we'll just do a full listener one. Um, tomorrow continues another big day of Pro Days, and hopefully we'll get some information today. We'll put together one of those. Uh, Stephen Thomas is going to drop by on Friday. Uh, maybe we'll record on Saturday. It is my birthday, but apparently, you know, the kids both sent me text messages, and both of them had plans for sleepovers. They were nervous about it. Uh, guys, it's my birthday. If you want to get the heck out of here, that's all well and good. Uh, maybe some Chinese food in bed or whatever, and you know, spending some time with Mrs. Lloyd, which I barely get to do anymore. That won't be a terrible thing. Maybe we'll squeeze in a show or whatever. But uh, you know, we'll close out the month strong here, which has been the best month for Lockton Browns ever. And I cannot be more thankful for you guys. It's it's been an insane ride here. Um, April should only get better. Guys, still focus on the draft. Still enjoy the draft. So many. Oh, I don't want to care about the draft. I don't want to talk about the draft. Uh, the, a lot of people who say that are going to be the same ones who say after the draft, oh, I don't know if they did anything during the draft. Enjoy the product, but enjoy the fact that there's still some pieces coming and the way this draft is falling down. And Pete and I agree. I mean, second, third, fourth, three picks in the fifth round is a fun draft. It, 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 it is a fun draft. And for what the Browns need, a lot of that fits right into that. Um, people had another great article today on the safeties over at NFL Spin Zone. Go ahead, check that out. Uh, the Locked On Browns Twitter account, always a follow-back account. So, you know, we keep doing that. A ton of DMs over there. A lot of the questions that, you know, we're going to get to here from Mailbag episode, we'll find a way to squeeze that in. Um, you know, I, I get it. I get it. Twitter's annoying. Some people don't want to do it. No problem. No problem. Keep s- sending the DMs over there. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Go ahead and throw a follow over there. Um, as always, you know, as I mentioned, guys, check out the Himalaya app. If you're looking for something new or you're unsatisfied with what, you know, the podcasting app you're using now, Check out Himalaya. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.